We're going to hopefully, in all aspects of our worship, we're going to make this all about Jesus instead of about something or someone else. Amen? You're going you're gonna to put your heart into doing that? As we strive to worship and serve the Lord, we must remain aware that we're also at war with an enemy who is set on corrupting the truths for which we stand. It's bad enough that Santa would take our attention off Jesus if we allow it. Yet there is another source of corruption which many, especially you younger Christians, may not be aware of. When the world speaks about the church, and and you hear about the church, the church, all the time. You hear about it on the news, you hear about it in movies, you hear about it in documentaries, and all kinds of things like that. Uh, When the world speaks about the church, they are almost exclusively talking about the Catholics. You know that to be true. That's, That's what they're talking about. It is generally accepted that what is published and taught by the Catholic Church is the view of Christians in the world today. When somebody talks about a Christian or they're, they're, those are Christians over there being persecuted or those are Christians doing this or Christians doing that, they're most of the time referring to Catholicism. That's just how it is. Can't say that I like that, but that's what we're dealing with. This is the part in the sermon today where I talk about how glad I am to be a Baptist. Real Baptists are not Protestants. I hope you've learned that by now. The historic line of churches from which we stem were never a part of the Catholic system and thus were never in it to protest and then come out of it and be called Protestants. We have thus avoided most of the theological errors from filtering down into our doctrine, which is strictly Bible doctrine. We don't have a catechism. We don't have another set of standards or rules or laws by which we call ourselves Baptists. The Bible is our standard. And here in this particular church, we use an old-fashioned King James Bible, which is the most accurate that's ever been published. It still is the best, and that's never changed. Doctrine, which has been declared by various popes, to be dogma, that's a, that's a term used as defining something as being truth, within the Catholic system has been elevated even above Scripture. If the Pope has decided that something is true or this is the way it is, doesn't matter what the Bible says, it's their truth regardless and it's what's believed and taught. This is heresy at its highest level. I don't know if you realize what we're saying here. One area of this shocking heresy is concerning Mary, the mother of Jesus. I didn't give you the sermon title yet today. It's entitled Mary, Setting the Record Straight. Here is one such quote from Pope Pius number 9. Here's what he said. He said, the foundation of all our confidence is found in the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
For God has committed to Mary the treasury of all good things, in order that everyone may know that through her are obtained every hope, every grace, and all salvation. For this is his will, that we obtain everything through Mary. Now, I don't normally stand here and quote heresy, but I just did. I realize that to stand in our pulpit and call out the sin, the heresy, of a different religious group is considered unacceptable by many. Be that as it may, that is exactly what I'm doing today. What I'm exposing is taken from various Catholic websites. This is not what people have said about the Catholics. This is what they have written and is published, and you can check it out for yourself. It's all over the place. Things that are universally documented by Catholic publications worldwide. I've listed several, and I'll just read them to you. And I'm not going to go into the detail and all the documentation that is there in these publications. Otherwise, we would be here all day. It is long. But for the first one, I want you to understand that Catholics believe and teach that Mary was sinless. I don't know if you knew that or not. Some of you probably did. Some of you probably read it or heard it. Here's what is said on one of their websites. She is the Immaculate Conception. While Jesus is the Incarnation, Mary is the Immaculata. The Immaculate Conception refers to the conception of our Blessed Mother, who was preserved from the stain of original sin It does not refer to Jesus' virginal conception. I didn't write that. I just quoted it to you from one of their websites. And there is a great deal more about this particular subject than just what I've quoted you. But I think I read you enough that you get the gist of it pretty clearly. So what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says in Romans 5 and 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Here's what Mary herself said. This is in Luke chapter 1 verse 46. And this is when she was discussing her pregnancy with her cousin Elizabeth, who was six months along with John the Baptist, the forerunner, the preparer of the way. Mary said this, she said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Let me remind you that only a sinner needs a Savior. Mary was just like you. She was wonderful. She was remarkable. And we'll talk more about that as we go along. But Mary is in heaven today because of the son she bore. And who he is and what he did for her and for you and for me. His death, his burial, and his incredible resurrection... Number two, and I'll try to make this short. This isn't a pleasant thing to preach, by the way. 
Catholics believe and teach that Mary was a perpetual virgin. A perpetual virgin. That's what it says. Here's their quote. Mary lived perpetual virginity even after the birth of Christ. Catholics claim that after Mary's birth in Jerusalem, she was presented in the temple where later she took a vow of virginity. And by the way, there is absolutely nothing like this or even close to this anywhere in the Word of God. Nothing at all. They also say that later she was betrothed to Joseph. That's true enough. How you put those two together in the same belief system, I'm very puzzled at that. Yet the dogma of perpetual virginity is still enthusiastically supported to this very day. So what does the Bible say? Well, I'm going to read 25 verses from Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Yeah, she was a virgin until she wasn't. Mark chapter 3 verse 32 says, The multitude sat about him, Jesus, and they said unto him, Behold thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. Later in the book of Mark chapter 6 verse 3, when Jesus was there present, and they said, Is this not the carpenter? the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Let's see, that is one, two, three, four brothers and plural sisters. I don't know how many sisters Jesus had, but he had more than one. I wonder how she managed to have all those children and still remain a virgin. Catholics also pray to Mary and teach that she is their mediator. Now, most of their websites say that Catholics don't really pray to Mary in the aspect of her answering their prayer, but they pray to her as on the same line that you might ask a brother or sister to pray for you. 
But that's really not the way it is, and I'll read you the evidence. Through Mary's closeness, this is what they say, she is a maternal mediator. Through Mary's closeness to God as his mother, she has a unique power in obtaining graces for those who call upon her. Prayers such as the memorari or the rosary can be great means of invoking her intercession. Quoting Pope Pius number nine, through her are obtained every hope, every grace, and all salvation. I'm going to read a prayer that was printed and prayed by someone you've heard about, Mother Teresa. Here's her prayer. Mary, Mother of Jesus, give me your heart, so beautiful, so pure, so immaculate, also full of love and humility that I may be able to receive Jesus in the bread of life and love him as you loved him and serve him as you served him. That sounds real nice, doesn't it? But again, what does the Bible say? John chapter 2, verse 1, John says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, For there is one God. What does that mean? Not more than one? Only one? Yeah, that's what it means. For there is one God and one mediator, same language, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. One mediator, not two, one, only one, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due times. Catholics have declared Mary to be the Queen of Heaven. You know, I didn't actually think of this while I was preparing the sermon. Remember when the Jews came to Jesus and said, this, this man married this woman and, and he died. And she married this other guy and he died. And she married this other guy and he died. Whose wife will she be in heaven? She said, you don't know what you're talking about. There won't be women and men in heaven, but they'll be like the angels of God. There aren't men and women in heaven. Sex-wise, there are people who used to be men and women when they were on earth. And there aren't angels. They're as the angels, which means they're basically sexless. So you can just kind of set that aside as to who's the queen of heaven. Here's what they said. Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven. They say she didn't die. She was just taken up. As Catholics, we believe that Mary was assumed into heaven body and soul. Without the stain of original sin as the mother of Christ, she did not know death as we know it, but rather was assumed into heaven at the end of her earthly life, where she reigns as queen of heaven and earth. That Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven was declared as dogma by Pope 
Pius number 12 in 1950. But again, what does the Bible say? Hebrews 9 and verse 27 says, And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. In the Bible, did you know, the Bible does talk about the Queen of Heaven. Did you know that? In the Bible, the Queen of Heaven is a title given to a demon god idol, probably the fertility goddess Astarte, in Jeremiah chapter 44, and declared to be a curse on the nation of Israel. There's a lot of things said about Mary. Most of the things that are told about her are not not even true. Mary was uh, not the queen of heaven. She is not our mediator. Jesus is. She was not a perpetual virgin. And there is no sin in a husband and wife making babies. As it is implied by this. And Mary was not sinless. She sinned and comes short of the glory of God just like you and I. Well, so what, Mary, what is Mary? She is remarkable. That's what she is. I'll talk more about that later this morning. Luke 4. I want to read this. Eight verses. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. When they were ended, afterward he hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. No, Mary wasn't sinless. She wasn't a perpetual virgin. She was not our mediator. She's not the queen of heaven. But she is remarkable. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias, you know who Zacharias was, right? He was a priest serving in a temple. The Lord appeared to Zacharias to announce the birth of John the Baptist. Zacharias did not believe the angel. He said to the angel, how can I know that this is true, that this is going to happen? He didn't believe the angel and was struck dumb until after John was born. The angel said, you, you don't believe me? You can just be quiet until I say so, in other words. It wasn't a great response from one of the Lord's priests, was it? In contrast to that, when the angel of the Lord came to announce to Mary the coming birth of the Lord Jesus, she was fearful at first, just like Zacharias. Seems like everybody in the Bible 
who sees an angel is shaking in their sandals. I mean, they're, they're scared. And I'm sure you would. I know those big, bad, tough Roman soldiers, when they saw the angel roll the stone away, they fainted like a bunch of little Girl Scouts. I mean, they were just scared them to death. But when the angel came to announce to Mary, she was at first feel fearful. But her response was far different. She had one question. It was a legitimate question. She said, how shall this be seeing I know not a man? And the angel explained it. The Holy Ghost will overshadow thee. And here was her answer. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. The handmaid is a servant. That's what that word's talking about. A female servant. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. You can be remarkable too. You can. Mary is in heaven. She's in heaven because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of her son. You can be too. Jesus died and was buried and rose again to pay your sin debt. And he paid it in full. And what he did on the cross for you was enough. It was absolutely enough. And you can be remarkable as well. I could say a lot more about this, but it would be pointless, I think. This should be more than enough for you to understand how important it is that we stand and guard the truth. The Word of God is complete. And like what Jesus did for us on the cross, it's enough. Don't need to add to it. Don't need to make up stuff about people in the Bible. If there's one thing I've learned about the Bible is that God tells it like it is. He absolutely does. Some of the stuff he allowed in the Bible I wouldn't have put in there if it had been up to me. Some of the stuff that he recorded that Peter did and said, I might have left just some of that out just to be nice about it. I definitely would have left out some of that stuff that David did. And I'd have left out about a thousand wives out of Solomon's story. But God's not like that. He tells it exactly like it is. You think Jesus is ashamed that his mother was a sinner? No. She might have been a sinner, but she was a saved sinner. I spent a good piece of my life as just a regular sinner, but I've been, this last 40 some odd years, I've been a saved sinner. And there's a whole lot of difference between an ordinary sinner and a saved sinner.